Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is Terry Gilliam's The Zero Theorem. Just a heads up, spoilers, we're going to be ruining the film. If you haven't seen it, or uh, you do want to see it, this might not be the best podcast for you. However, I feel like you really need to be in the right state of mind to watch this film. I'm guessing there's going to be people who start watching this film and just give up. Because (laughs) it is not a film for everybody. Lloyd, uh, the synopsis on IMDb feels like it's not right. Um, it says a computer hacker whose goal is to discover the reason for human existence continually finds his work interrupted thanks to the management thanks to the management namely they send a teenager and lusty love interest to distract him I didn't read the film like that at all no no if anything they sent um, management sent in people to make sure he keeps doing the work yeah, and I mean, they're monitoring him on those black and white little security cameras we keep cutting to. They want him working and they got constant like output. You know, he has to be ready in an hour, finish this in an hour, you know, get it all ready. Yeah. So they want him working, but is he a computer hacker? Uh, no, I, I don't think he's a computer hacker at all. I think he's working for a big, massive, unnamed, well, it is named, but, you know, a, a big, massive corporation, like a bureaucratic company with all these steam-like computer works that uh, Terry Gilliam often employs in a lot of his worlds and they're just I guess each department's assigned to a certain project and his project is to find the meaning of life yeah it's not right away though first off he's um, he's going into work and doing this strange pedaling job where uh, I don't know what exactly he's doing he's giving (laughs) vials of liquid back and forth and playing a very strange video game looking thing uh i'd love to hear the explanation because i've only very recently watched the film i saw it last night we're recording the next day you know it's very fresh in my mind but it's very unformed my opinions of it i don't know if i get it yet maybe do, this podcast do you find it um uh, the whole film as a downer like you found this very hard to watch and it's uh, you just didn't find it a fun film oh it's not a fun film <laughs> Like, I mean, I I didn't love this film. I just, I'm not sure I understand what he's trying to say. I think he's trying to say people are all shut in. They sit at computers, they play video games, they watch porn. They, they basically, uh, their meaning of life is unsure to them. And everybody's waiting for the call, which, you know, is literally a phone call in this one. It's demonstrated as a phone call. But... The call never comes for him because he spends his whole life waiting for a call. Mm-hmm. So, as Matt Damon's character, Management, puts it, he's waited his whole life waiting for the call and he says you've led a meaningless life. Yeah. Well, through the bureaucratic structure of the modern world, I think we're, we're living under these corporations and, yeah, he's under the mythology that there's going to be this call that's going to give him the answers. But during that waiting, his whole life has just evaporated through him. And all these instances of love, happiness and joy, which you should 
do before you expire in this world um he just goes without you know there's this big emptiness in his life and i think that's what terry gilliam is highlighting so you're you know i think i think you're 90 percent right you're like you're on the mark well he did mention that he had a love when he was young mm-hmm. and that it he got married and it didn't work out and sort of says that to bob the, the son of management who has his own issues but um it sounds like he was so scarred by it or yeah. something that I mean, he doesn't like to be touched. He doesn't like to see people. He's got a lot of what is agoraphobia, everything that's mm-hmm. listed off by his shrink. You know, uh, he's been ruined by the experience in a way. But um, And he's taking this monk-nastic-like lifestyle where his head is shaved, he's got no hair on his eyebrows, and he lives in this church where we don't actually see a Jesus in the church but it is jesus but his head has been removed and it's been replaced with a camera and obviously there's like with all terry gilliam films layers and layers of symbolism and meaning in every single frame of his movies and it's so dense with all that which can be exhausting at times and often um you know maybe too much of that but i love it because it has that visual richness it was visually rich i did wonder what we've done to ourselves after we like watching it for a little while i i thought oh gosh this is like you say hard to watch a bit dense i suppose christoph waltz he he did mention his character mentioned that his hair had fallen out maybe as like a side effect from working too much yeah because when he was applying to the three doctors one of whom was uh peter stomare and one who was ben wishaw who's q in um bond mm-hmm. uh when he's applying to them they want to see how productive he is and they deny his dis- disability request and stuff but when he's talking to them he says his hair fell out so like it, even though he now appears monk-like and yep. he lives in the old church that he um that he got it's um not his fault that he shaved his sure. head it sounds like yeah but it does make him look more like a monk yes yeah definitely and especially that lifestyle he's sort of living where he's you know just in this <laughs> i don't want to bring uh that awful movie uh we did uh the dennis rodman movie uh Ooh. simon says simon you know says. where those two monks live but they have that cyber connectivity element <laughs> i don't want to bring too much of that imagery into it but it felt like you know the cyber monks um in the modern world that's ridiculous that movie <laughs> oh, you guys can listen to our episode on that you'll find it on our website terrible terrible dennis rodman movie then the character's name he's like cohen leth or cohen leth yeah and there's a, a a huge comedic reference to that and the pronunciation of it yeah uh, it says it references quoleth the original hebrew name of the bible book that investigates the meaning of life okay so that's even more heavily pointing towards that as the main theme of the movie naming the main character after that <laughs> Um, that weird opening shot where it's just tilting out of that vortex of a black hole and um, sort of tilts past his head and he's sitting naked at the computer and the phone's ringing. Mm-hmm. What was that? I, was just, <laughs> I tried to read so little about this before watching it. Yeah. Um, just kind of went in really fresh and such an intriguing and weird opening shot for a film. Maybe the weirdest opening shot of a film ever. 
I don't know. I'm undecided. The, the black hole is such an imagery of the end all of everything, like the nothingness. Like, uh, I don't think our human minds are capable or we don't have the technology to fully explore what exactly is a black hole. But from our immediate understanding of it, it is. it can be seen as a vortex into another world. But I think ultimately, and what it means in this film, is, you know, you're sucked into oblivion, the emptiness and the nothingness. I think that's what they're going for. Very powerful image. Let's talk about the virtual reality, because when she has him imagine a place, Mm -hmm. um, her world that she imagines, by the way, it's exactly the same as one of the billboards outside of his church. Um, It says Escape to Paradise or something, and uh, it's exactly the same scene as her virtual reality world that she created. Yeah. But um, when she asks him to imagine something and he imagines them both naked flying through space towards the black hole, it's that's what goes on in his head? Yeah. That's his idea of a place to take them? Yeah, he's sort of like got a death wish. Like, um, yeah, the big fear of nothing. Like, it's as empty and as dark as his life, I guess. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. That's um, a bit of a downer, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I didn't mind all the Big Brother stuff, like uh, ma- management, Mancom is watching, Matt Damon represents management, management is like a metaphor for government Yeah, control. the faceless corporation, the faceless government control, the yeah. bureaucratic... Yeah, that we all live in. And that's what a lot of Gilliam's world is. He's very critical of this modern world. I I don't think Gilliam likes this modern world at all, how we are all like um, bees in this massive um, hive, you know, where we all go off to work and we're just controlled by all these faceless suits. And as well, the fact that we're all carrying iPads at parties. Yeah, that took me out of it because you had this um, interesting technology of the pedaling and the, like, sort of uh, a control pad rather than a keyboard. Kind of a steampunk thing. Exactly, exactly, a steampunk type thing. And rather than um, uh, CDs or DVDs or even USB sticks, it's all this liquid sort of aspects or like uh, uh, David Cronenberg's existence. And um, then all of a sudden he goes to this party and people have got iPads. And obviously it's a reference to how people are at parties, but they're not really enjoying it because they're all, you know, talking to other people. They're all interconnected via their, you know, portable technology. But because you know that's an iPad and they're just holding their hand covering the Apple symbol, it just Mm. took me completely out. I was like, geez, couldn't you just get something else? Like, obviously we're not going to see what's in the iPad. Just get something with lights and just make it really different. Than, than such a universally recognized instrument. Maybe that's just the power of Apple and they've convinced <laughs> you that everything that's tablet-like is an iPad. Or maybe Terry Gilliam is uh, taking a stab at Apple. <laughs> maybe. Well, he's um, he's taken a stab at a few things here. When Christoph Waltz's character, who I'm not going to pronounce his name every time, I'm just going to refer to him as Christoph Waltz's character, yeah. he so often rebels in the film and smashes the monitors of his job it's so hard not to view this film as implying people are wasting their lives working jobs. Yep. You know, that we're working for some management. For, and all for nothing, which is an important motif as well. Yeah. Like, he's working really hard and it, the end result is really nothing. So, does that mean all our efforts of our eight-hour day is all for nothing? But then you think there are jobs that need doing in this world. Yeah. Not everyone can be wasting their time. Like, 
some of these are essential jobs like life-saving things um engineering and things like that like building houses for people to live in we're not wasting our time i'm sure there are some meaningless jobs and and futile jobs that occur but he's sort of lumping everything in here it feels like um he's implying that we should be doing something else instead of working yeah which it's a very harsh and critical um uh area that he's zeroing in on without a hint of another world existing such as the engineers or the workers or anything like that well it's implied that um what management are trying to do matt damon has a big speech to him at the end and it's very reminiscent of um the matrix reloaded i thought uh you know at the end how neo has a big chat to um you know the the architect yeah yeah and sort of gets all his answers because he kind of goes into the machine which it's unclear if it's virtual reality and he says are you real or are you in my mind and he says doesn't matter at all you're part of the neural net now so like he's become part of some kind of internet type equivalent he says by believing in a god or a higher purpose it makes this life meaningless and this becomes a way station on the way to eternity and that's why he's trying to prove that this matters because there's nothing else does that make sense yeah well, uh, yeah, and he, and the fundamental thing he says is um, anything out of the chaos can be applied to the biz- to a business model. So there is profit even in emptiness and nothingness and oblivion and chaos. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, it seems like as well what's implied is the call or uh, the thing that never comes for him, mm-hmm. the calling in life, if you will. The only one I see is Bainsley played by melanie theory yeah she's a distraction i don't know if she's a distraction she she needs him because he needs her it's implied she has in my opinion that was the weakest issue of the film the romantic element between them like i get the idea she was sort of paid by the company as a i guess as a form of pleasure for the worker but at the same time, she does come forth with a heart going, I need you and I want to be needed or something like that. And it was yeah. so unbelievable and rushed. I was just like, "What? where is this coming from? Like, how did they generate a love for each other? Like, I, I didn't it's get that It's complicated, isn't it? Yeah, or, or poorly paced, I think. That's the only yeah. weakest part of this film. I felt the relationship between them. I think she's a fantastic actress. She did a great job. There's a lot of bawdy gags in it, but uh, it was a, maybe too little of that uh, and then too rushed of a development. Yeah, maybe a slightly more age-appropriate one would have been more convincing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's a good point. But I felt like when she meets him at the party and she corners him a bunch of times and... Um, says he's staring and everything at that point she's being paid so she's being paid to approach him because he Mm -hmm. would never approach her yeah and then um following that like i'm not sure where they are supposed to have connected i'm assuming it's in virtual reality yeah when they both plug in and i think it's implied that they sleep together because they can in virtual reality she has a rule about nothing goes into her body so therefore in real life nothing's happening you know but presumably the bit we don't see in virtual reality is when they connect which as you say kind of weakens what we do see on screen because Mm -hmm. you're like did they connect yeah you know i'm totally with you there 
there's this uh, ongoing implication that we are we're all dying, and the way Christoph Waltz's character speaks, he keeps referring to himself as we, mm-hmm. which you know kind of adds symbolism to if he's speaking for the human race, if he's speaking for everybody watching the film or the average working man under the corporation (laughs) that's right and when it's sort of this way of uh well it's it's a grouping term obviously but when you sort of say we feel that you are something or other you're implying that everybody feels the same way as well Mm -hmm. so it really easily makes him a representation of well it's an identity problem but it's a representation of of everybody it's a big group do you also feel like God has left this world and you're only seeing relics of a forgotten age? Like I think I think that's so much so represented by the figure of Jesus up there on the wall and he's doesn't have a head anymore. It's re- literally replaced by this camera and no longer it's a religion or a spiritual uh higher being that's watching you. It's you know this the higher being is now the corporation, the mechanic. And, you know, it's never, I feel, really referenced that he's living in a church, although the visual motifs are completely obvious that he is living in a church. But it's like it's ignored, like the function of it, the the fact that he's washing dishes on the, you know, where where, um, children are are really uh, christened, are baptized, you know. It's like this relic of a forgotten age and it's been replaced or this this awful modern world is, is, is completely overtaking it. Yes. Very unsettling. And the other thing was, when he talks to Matt Damon at the end, uh, he says, I think you've confused me for a higher being. Like, there's a line of dialogue where it is implied that management have replaced religion. Yeah. At least in his world or in his eyes. And that's, yeah, that's visually around him, the, the, the head being the camera and not the head of jesus i suppose and when he walks out and we see the ad and i think it's brilliant the exterior of his house um (laughs) the whole you could just show that person that one scene where he's walking to work and they'll really get the idea oh that's a terry gilliam film and understand all the visual metaphors of this movie but religion itself is commercialized and everything you know it's it's a very cruel statement on commercialism and how that really seeps into everything we hold sacred and even sacred doesn't mean anything in this world anymore does it (laughs) no and it's a world of advertising of religion the advertising religion the advertising get rich quick schemes and there's there's too much flying around in front of your eyes to um to catch in one viewing the but, relationship um, between him and that guy at work was also just like the relationship with Melanie Theory, just poorly written. Like, why would that guy even bother to come knocking on his door and going, oh, I considered you a friend and invited him to his party and take a lot of effort and mm-hmm. giving him food and things like that? I'm just like, wow, I, if, if I worked alongside a guy like uh, Christoph Waltz's character, I would not be friendly with him. He just didn't seem like a friendly guy. He wanted to be to Like, he's a great worker, but he really wanted to be to himself, you know? In the words of Bob, Joby, that character played by David Lewis, is a tool and... He's used by management. He invites him to the party so that he can meet oh, Bainsley. Yes, right. It's just narrative. It's um, it's just doing management's wishes, I assume. But then when yeah, he gets no, fired, yeah. When he gets fired, though, I assume that he's like annoyed because even though he did what management wanted, Christoph Waltz didn't react the way management thought he would, and that fell on Joby. 
That's a really good point. I didn't think of that. <laughs> what what no, about I mean, the kid? Um, as well, that was pretty interesting. Obviously, he's a super smart kid. He's the son of Matt Damon, um, and everything like that. Yeah, not in real life, we should say. Not in real life. <laughs> I love his line where he says. It seems like getting old would be pretty boring. Old people do the same thing day after day after day. It's like listening to the same song over and over and over. Maybe and then Christoph Waltz says, maybe it's a good song. And he says, maybe, but after a while it gets old. And he reminded me of uh, Holden Caulfield from The Catcher in the Rye when he says that, that he's 15 and so much already bores him. Catcher in the Rye really deals with identity and alienation. And, and age. Yeah, and it's sort of a coming-of-age story, but he was probably more interesting uh, as a friend character, as someone for the lead actor to yeah, talk to. Yeah, he seemed always ten steps ahead of everyone. Like, he yes. knew a, a bigger picture. And that's sort of annoying if, like, the character just leaves and only gives out fragments. Because don't you get it? You know, no, we don't. Please explain it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, what's... What's good about this in terms of direction is that there's so many tilted angles. Like um, Terry Gilliam puts everything off center and yeah. lets you know that, that this that whole world. Yeah, is warped as well, especially with the lenses he uses, how everything's just that wide angle, that twisted, warped look. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting the Zero Theorem or the Zip T, as the characters refer to it in the film. It gets assigned to him and. It's saying zero must equal 100%. But if yeah. you think about that, 100% of zero is still zero. Zero, yep. So there's no... Nothing. There should be nothing there. And it's insane how they have to do these maths video game work puzzles and just mm-hmm. the special effects of this film, how he's trying to, like, solve this complex neutrino mass thing. I just, uh, you know, I'm not sure... That I get it still, as I said. Um, what did you think of uh, Tilda Swinton's character as the Doctor Shrink Rom? I felt a bit like it was all pre-recorded. <laughs> and I read, I read somewhere that um, she wears fake wig and teeth and glasses in the film Snowpiercer. I don't oh, know okay. that to be yeah, true. I haven't seen that film yet. Uh, everyone tells me so many good things about it. So maybe there is a tie-in or something. Well, maybe she's just kind of i don't want to say phoned it in here because <laughs> tilda swinton she's a phenomenal actress but she pulled off her wig and was bald as well at one point <laughs> wasn't she I, I i can't remember i think she was and then that <laughs> makes me think she's gone through the similar stresses to him but then also she's a program like a computer program yeah uh i thought she was a little bit unrecognizable which kind of wastes the fact that you have tilda swinton um it was a little bit frustrating, her scenes, but it all added to us trying to get the exposition of who his character is. So I suppose, you know, I tolerated them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy, Bob, says, if you have a soul, and that's he, where he says the call is coming from, the suit he creates will connect him with it. So if he connects to the virtual reality and sees her... Or what he ends up doing is connecting and there's some kind of electrocution type towards the end, which makes him part of the neural net. I guess we're seeing his soul when he is finally there at the end. The song Creep is playing. Yeah, one of, cre- that's one of my favorite songs, but a different Creepy rendition. version. Yeah, a very creepy version. 
so upbeat and strange. <laughs> but then he's just sort of playing with the sun and he's able to kind of manipulate things. He's But he's alone sw- as well. Yeah, he's switching off. I mean, this is sort of... I guess he's basically waiting for something to help him escape his life, the call, if you will. Yeah. And he wastes his whole life waiting for the call. And so, as Matt Damon says, he leads a meaningless life. So it kind of makes this sort of a pointless movie. It, it is in- a very downbeat ending because he does find a sense of peace in that scene, but it is an emptiness. Like, the girl is no longer with him. He's figured out what the call is, really. It's a nothing, you know, but there is a sense of peace um, that he has there and, and at ease. It, but it is a very downbeat ending. Yeah, but I guess it's frustrating because you, you want some answers, you want everything, but in a way that's life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is, is that the point? I think so. Well, Terry Gilliam has always gone on about how he hates... One of my favourite movies that he's done, and everyone's going to just barge us with comments for this, is Brothers Grimm. And he's actually uh, said that he hated that, but I've heard the audio commentary for that, and he talks with a lot of enthusiasm and passion for that. But he had a lot of issues with that movie, particularly with the Weinstein brothers. And in the audio commentary, he emphasised, I think there's a big curse doing happy endings. I really don't like doing it. And his biggest emphasis he wants is when his film ends, he wants you to be able to go home and talk about it. And we just did this podcast and uh, you just saw it last night but we had so much to talk about it about the symbolisms the ideas and everything like that so I think Terry if you're by any chance in the world listening to this podcast you have absolutely 100% succeeded in that and I thought this movie was a terrific ride and one of one of your best films I think it's a really really good film it's just such a pity everyone compares his films to everything he's done so of course it's not going to be as good as brazil of course it's not going to be you know the time bandits the monty pythons it's such a pity that uh, an artist's work in the past overshadows what they've done now it's always on that level but when you compare this film to a lot of you know mainstream films i much prefer it than you know mainstream films because it gives you so much so many ideas to discuss and talk about Oh, no doubt. There's an online conversation going on about this that seems to be uh, full of philosophical references, people's beliefs, religion. There's a lot going on. And um, I I hope that this wasn't a film that was created ambiguously so that people would push their own values and ideas onto it. Yeah. You know, sometimes when filmmakers will make a film purposefully, ambiguously, just so they don't have to answer any questions, so they don't... Yeah, maybe an audio commentary would help on this. <laughs> I, I I think he's actually done it like that. <laughs> you think? Yeah, probably. That's that's not what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only way to give a life a reason, uh, meaning, is to decide on what your call is, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And because he never decides, he wastes his life. And so I think the point of this must be to decide what in your life gives it meaning and therefore pursue that and that's where you will be happiest if you have a soul i suppose yep that's what i'm taking from this yeah I mean, i'm taking away um the very nothingness of life um it doesn't matter if life doesn't mean anything but just you know um just enjoy it uh, the moments you have because it'll just pass you by that sort of thing and there's a, there's a cruel statement in this movie as well about technology 
and how it's really um uh, i don't know if it's destroying us if that's what he's saying but there is a very cruel vibe i'm getting of technology and the human body i i don't think terry gilliam's a big fan of the 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 modern age of computers let me ask you something do you think he's a robot (laughs) that's a good question i i don't know what do you think i'm just wondering now if he's a robot because he struggles with human interaction he doesn't eat anything with discernible flavor he uh does eat some pizza towards the end he lives in like a bombed out church kind of thing but there's only like one scene where he's wrapped up trying to keep warm so maybe temperature's not as big an issue for him he uh needs to plug in to virtual reality and seems to become part of the neural net at the end perhaps because he is a robot i don't know i'm just wondering well it can also be on a metaphoric level that his humanity is completely slipping away and he's just becoming much more mechanical and his human body is fading sort of thing and eventually it goes and uh, i'm assuming that electric bolt kills him but his soul or who he is is now in this neural net all right um i'm gonna do a little punch up here this is a new segment i'm calling the punch up and uh i would punch this up i think by creating a better work friend so joby is kind of a weak work character what i think would be better than having a supervisor would be an opposition i think another guy who's also working on zip t or the zero theorem somebody who's maybe doing a better job than him somebody who's driving him to do more and perhaps that would be a better way of having his character you know pushing himself outside of hours everything like that if he just keeps hearing about this other guy who's maybe at 96 percent or 98 percent and keeps thinking that he wants to be the one to solve zip t and you know give him uh something to play off of because it's unrealistic that he would work 24 7 on this thing until he went nuts without any kind of motivation and i like the idea that somebody else that may or may not exist even um that he's getting reports about how other people are doing working on zip t and and uh yeah if you have some ideas on this facebook.com slash pod me if you can lloyd uh what um, do you reckon yeah yeah well, it's a great idea and i'd also probably make the girl older as well melanie um theory if they're going to go ahead with the whole uh you know she actually has feelings for him and everything like that because a beautiful girl like that like crystal falls is a very handsome man but i don't think that girl would fall in love with that character um, i'm totally with you <laughs> totally with you just quickly dave what's your uh, favorite terry gilliam film i really feel like it's 12 monkeys yeah that's a good choice um M- mine's brazil <laughs> yeah well i've never seen brazil Lord. oh my gosh and we have just covered off on uh, a couple of films we haven't seen so maybe next time we're watching brazil and beetlejuice it's probably one of the greatest movies ever made brazil well i mean to be honest my knowledge of brazil is limited and uh, it's probably a good one to cover in the future yeah however next time guys we're going to be talking about upcoming films again it's going to be the three-year anniversary of pod me if you can and also if you've been listening to these podcasts you know that we're doing an anagram competition Uh, handing out letters every podcast since episode 100 and um you guys can try and form or get all the letters unscramble them and form the name of an actor or actress uh today's letter is e e for elephant yeah we're, we're running out of letters 
with this actor or actress. So somebody's going to solve this thing pretty soon. Um, but you can listen back from episode 100 on. I will announce at the beginning of one of our episodes when it is solved and when we have a winner. The prize pack includes DVDs, magnets, buttons. It's all Pod Me If You Can specific stuff. Hopefully uh, somebody will really enjoy it. So, yeah, uh, Lloyd, the Zero Theorem, covered off. Yep, I, we actually did a Terry Gilliam film, and it's a pretty good one as well, so I'm very happy with this episode. <laughs> so, uh, guys, tune in, find all of our stuff at um, podmeifyoucan.com. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 